Hi, I'm Lauren and he's Jordan and welcome to the His Film, Her Movie Podcast. So where did this bravery come from, from watching Ghost Adventures at night on your own? I just thought, because like we've been discussing Halloween stuff, I need to raise raise my bravery <laughs> reduce my fear factor raise my fear factor they haven't done anything scary yet it's just the introduction I could be shitting myself in about half an hour once we finish this we like knocking it off and going to bed with a good book <laughs> yeah so yeah that is Lauren I am Jordan and <laughs> we are the His Film Her Movie podcast we are the podcast that takes specific topics both choose a film and then we discuss it. Yes. Very self-explanatory in its own way. Well, see, so you say that, then I get people going, like what? Don't understand. Then you explain it. Yes. And then it becomes more explanatory. More explanatory. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant English. Okay, right, listen, it's been a very busy day at work. <laughs> it's been super busy. You're lucky my brain's even working enough to discuss our films. Well, let's not take like speak too early. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> One of the films is very easy to discuss. <laughs> that is true, that is true. But what are we discussing this week? We're doing undercover cop films. We are. And two very different undercover cop films as well, which yes. I think is quite interesting. So I, this week, have chosen Infernal Affairs. Yes. The Hong Kong movie from 2002. I thought you said it was Korean. Yeah, it's Hong Kong. Oh. Are we telling everybody at work? Yeah, we did a Korean film this week. Now you just look racist. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a book. <laughs> I thought I looked cultured. The girls at work were like, ooh, never heard of Korean cinema and I was like well listen and you will now you've made me a liar now she's Hong Kong cinema but at the time it was good Korean cinema at that time was just starting with the Korean new wave which really did create some really good um, cinema which we'll get onto because there'll be a few of those films that pop up like Old Boy and I see now I could watch parts of Old Boy but then I heard how, how it ends and I'm like, no. Oh, well, that's half the fun, isn't it? So, <clears> you know, it ends. It's going to be a shock. I like but... K-pop, though. K-pop, right, yeah. So, I like BTS. So, that'll <laughs> count for my my, my Korean yes. cultural side. And kimchi. <laughs> yes, and kimchi. Yeah. So, what are you covering? I'm covering Miss Congeniality. The Sandra Bullock affair. Iconic. Iconic. Iconic Sandra Bullock <laughs> film. <laughs> From? 2000? I think it's 2002, actually. Is the it? same year. The second one's 2005. It is. For some reason, I did not write down. I wrote down nothing. I have literally wrote down stuff about William Shatner and stuff that makes me giggle about the whole film. And you were correct, it's 2000. Yes! <laughs> I don't know who, who directed it. But, oh, anything, you can tell I haven't done my homework this week. It's been very, very busy at work. <laughs> very, it's like, it's super busy. <clears throat> Donald Petrie. That's it. Directed it. So, I think, um, we'll just get into it. 
Start with Miss Congeniality. Yeah, we'll Fab. we'll have a little bit of a break and then we will come back with Miss Congeniality. Philip, could I have another Cabernet Sauvignon, please? Another cake for you. I'm good, thanks. It's okay, Philip. So, now how long have you been doing this pepper training thing? I'm sorry? What, what was the question? I was distracted by the half-masticated cow rolling around in your wide-open trap. Excuse me, what is your problem? Problem? Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, have I offended you in some way? Because quite frankly, you've been completely antagonistic to me since the second I walked in that door. Did you know that I was once the most sought-after, highly-paid consultant in pageant history? I had no idea. Every season, girls would plead with me to train them. Ten out of eleven years, my girls were crowned. The year we lost, the winner was a deaf mute. You can't beat that. Okay, so, Miss Congeniality, the, as I correctly assumed, 2000 film. Nearly 20 years old. Yes, makes me feel very old. Now, <clears throat> I remember when this film came out, and it wasn't, I, I, I didn't go and see it in the cinema, I, I, I didn't think it was for me. I feel like this is one of the films, a bit like Mean Girls, that you kind of discover a bit later on yeah. in your teens. And I've watched it so many times, and it's great. It's about Gracie Hart, who is an FBI agent, who is, she's very, she's very much a bit of a tomboy, she doesn't like to dress up, everything that she wears is functionality over fashion. Yes. And there is somebody threatening the Miss United States pageant, which of course is not functionality over fashion, it's the complete opposite, and she has to go undercover and have a full makeover, and find out who is going to blow them up. Yes. So, I don't see why anybody couldn't like this film. It has Sandra Bullock. She's great. Michael Caine, Oscar winner. Brilliant. Sandra Bullock, Oscar winner. Oh, yeah, she is. She wasn't at this time. No, she wasn't. She wasn't the Oscar winner at this time. But she should have won one. <laughs> controversial, I know. It has colour and... Singing and dancing, but singing and dancing not in like the musical way, like it's they're, they're, they're performing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. You sat and you giggled away uh, yeah. at many parts of this film. It's colourful and it, especially coming from the UK where we don't have these kind of pageants, or what we do, but they're not televised, they're not as a bigger thing. Um, I was in not as creepy. You're thinking of the baby pageants. Still, okay. all pageants are creepy. <clears throat> yeah, at least these ones people cho- choose to be in. Yes. It's not like Bonnie Babies. No. But, um, yeah, it, it's... Uh, for me, it was always quite interesting because people in the US, I'm assuming, probably grow up with these sorts of things. Well, it's on every on year. TV. On every year, yeah. So it's, it's like a normal sort of thing. It's like Big Brother was for us before that was cancelled. That was on every year. You'd always sit down, watch people walk, go in, and then watch the finale. Yes. Nothing else. Whereas, for me, I'd never seen anything like this before. So, I was always quite amazed by it. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, actually, I think I, this is the second time we've watched it. I think we watched it 
Was I hungover? Probably. Um, <laughs> I like a nice easy film when I'm hungover. It's even that. But, but I think the first, my first um, introduction to these pageants was Drop Dead Gorgeous, mm. which is a great, great oh, comedy such a from the good film. Sort of, I think maybe late nineties, early two thousands. I think it's an early noughties. It's yeah. got that had some Chris. Is it? Christian it's, Bell? Not no, it's Kirsten Dunst, isn't it? Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, yeah. And she was a she was a big early noughties um actress. Yes. So I I think it's about that sort of time. It might even might even be around the same sort of it, time. It's as a, this. It might have been, yeah. But I mean for me Miss Congeniality is I mean, it's an enjoyable movie. It, it's hard to pick bad things about it because it's just Nice. It's just nice, yeah. You can sit there for what well, it's, it's maybe it's a little bit too long. It's about two hours long, but what are you talking about? It's not too long. Which <laughs> bit would you cut? Oh, which part would I cut? I'd have to watch it again. But the, 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 there must be something there. It shouldn't be two hours long. All comedy should be ninety Is it minutes. Two hours? It's one hour fifty-five minutes. Oh my god! It just flew by. <laughs> but yeah, like most Sandra Bullock films, it wholly trades on her charm. She's great. And. She's such a charming, charming sort of presence and personality. I'll even look back to sort of like Speed. Like, she brings such a levity towards that movie. It's such mm-hmm. a serious action movie. But she just brings this playfulness and this nice, naive feeling to it. Yeah. And what I like about Sandra Bullock is she has fantastic comic timing. Yes. And that's... You can't really teach that. That's just something you have sort of inherently. And... She doesn't mind looking a little bit silly. No, I actually read a thing where um, the director wrote in more physical comedy because apparently she really enjoys doing it. Mm. So there is like silly bits where she like falls over and apparently she thinks that's hilarious and loves to yeah. do it because it's such completely different from her actual... Well, she, she's a gorgeous woman. You don't <laughs> expect somebody who looks like that and who can act so well to be like, I'm going to think it's hilarious just to fall over. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, but it's one of those films where I don't think it would be anywhere near as enjoyable if she wasn't in it. I don't think it would no. work at no. all. It would probably be seen as a bit more of a straight-laced, <laughs> action-y movie instead of a full-on comedic picture. For our listeners, I'm waiting to see if our cat jumps in her box full of my stuff from work. Because <laughs> if she does, you're going to hear a great big cat crash. <laughs> She'll be fine. She'll be fine. <laughs> I did think though that the film hadn't aged massively well. No, the the, the certain part where the, you the male cops yeah. in the movie is a car crash nowadays. Oh, completely awful. It, why would you write this? Because it just makes everybody look bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes you dislike those characters, and they aren't really dislikable <clears throat> characters. They're just. It's Stone Age stuff. They're meant to be part of the boys club and all this. But, like, they, they do some really sexist comments. Yeah. They do some really homophobic comments. Um, At one point where the, where the office is, like, full and they're, like, looking at pictures of different people in their swimsuits. Yes. Um, There was three women there. I counted it. There were three women. They had, like, a variety of people of colour. So that bit was at least accounted for. But... Very few women. Now, I don't know if they were maybe looking at, maybe that's what the FBI is like or was like. 
But at the yeah. same time, I don't think whiskey. I don't think whiskey congeniality is that deep. You don't know. <laughs> it is deep on many levels, Jordan. It shows you like what ha- what can happen if you're a strong woman, even from an early age. Like she fights back, yeah. and she stands up for people, and automatically she loses friends. People lose respect for her. It is deep. You just maybe you're just too shallow to see. Oh, <laughs> slap to the face. <laughs> But then again, like, Gracie's also got very bad ideas about the women who actually appear in these pageants. And we have, we've joked about sort of stuff like this before. Um, Like how they they go in for scholarships, but they have to go through all these different things. And then, of course, there's places like um, Pornhub now, who literally just get women to write their thesis and go, okay, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. We will then now pay for you Mm. to go through college. You don't have to get your kit off, though. Yeah. So it it might seem like a little bit of... Now, I think it seems quite kind of outdated, where um, they're, they're saying it's a scholarship program. It's like, yeah. Yeah, but you're still asking women to get the boobs out. Yeah. So... It's... We don't want to, let's get your tits out for the lads thing. No. Going no. on just that way you can afford to go to university, it, college, whatatever they call it. The thing is, you're doing it for people's entertainment. It's on television, yeah. so therefore you can call it the scholarship all you want. People don't care about that when they're watching it. All they no. care about is pretty girls in bikinis. Exactly. But yeah, you've got that double prejudice though as well. You've got the prejudice of the male side of looking at those lit women but also of the female side of of an intelligent female looking at them as bimbos and when you go get when you get there and you sort of when gracie interacts with those she realizes it's not no they're not stupid at all no. they're actually very clever and they are doing this to pay for college mm. um which i think is another good point like you don't have it's the don't just judge a book by its, its cover, cover. Um, I had a question. Yes. Why does William Shatner always dress like a dad at a barbecue? Because that's William Shatner's style. Yeah, but like it was at the Alamo, and seriously, like <laughs> my my I love my papa, but I could totally imagine that outfit on him. See, yeah, I mean, it was stylish for a man of his age. But William Shatner plays Cluedo's grandpa so well yeah, in so does. many different films, and it's just it's hilarious to look at this and look at him now and he looks younger now than he did back then because he has less so emotion. <laughs> he has so much plastic in his face that I'm pretty sure if you held him up to a candle he would melt. <laughs> He's that full of plastic but fair play to him he still looks pretty good for a guy who's like what 85 and just does bit parts just a bit parts now he's he's now a cult icon yeah. through, through through Kirk and through Star Trek he just became a massive cult icon and even through Teacher Hooker and other TV shows. Yeah. Um but for me, Shatner's good, bit pop, but I think Michael Caine... Oh, I think he's And he's so playing good. so... Kind of against type as well. Yes, because I always knew him as, like, the the Italian job, man's the, the, man. The, the Cockney, yeah. the Cockney gangster. Yeah. And to see him in a bit more of a sort of a light-hearted role and to see, mm-hmm. him, to see him playing a gay guy. Yeah. it's It was different. I mean, and it wasn't overly camp because no I'm pretty it wasn't sure. which I think is good yeah it wasn't sort of caricaturious yeah it was just a sort of sly little things that he played on Benjamin Bratt mm-hmm. um, and another Benjamin Bratt Benjamin Bratt is a love interest is the most 2000 thing ever mm-hmm. 
it just doesn't it, I, I, it doesn't work for me. I don't know why, but it just sort of it plays on my mind. It's like I, I think it's the hair. Yeah, maybe. He had very floppy hair. It, yeah, it, it just looked. <clears throat> it looked more like. To be honest, I have no idea. I can't even think of a decent analogy for it. It it just doesn't work for me. I, I, I can't see them two together. No. And well, if you watch the second film, they're not. Oh. He breaks because we don't like him. Yeah. So it, it's that that sort of aged a bit differently, and I'm not sure. Maybe it's just because of what Sandra Bullock became so big to see him, Benjamin Bratt, who I hadn't seen in anything for like what. Ten years? No. At the same time, like, I was like, he's good looking, but maybe that's it. Maybe they wanted a guy who's good looking, but he's, he's like a, I don't want to say average good looking, because I feel like that's an insult to <laughs> average him. Average good looking. He's, he's a good looking like you'd see in a bar on a Saturday night. He's a good, he's, he's good looking enough, so that way, if he was doing, if he was in the FBI, if you had somebody like, I'm trying to think of, who's really attractive. No. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. If you had Chris Hemsworth in the FBI, nobody's going to be taking their eyes off him. No. Because he is that gorgeous. Whereas Benjamin Bratt is like, he is good looking, but he is also got the kind of makeup where he's like, if, if I need to be invisible, I can be invisible. He kind of fits more of the FBI. He's got like a creepy uncle vibe about him. Do you get creepy uncle vibe from him? I don't get creepy uncle vibe from uh, yeah. him. I get um, stuck up know it all. Kind of. I get but that. I, I get from that. this film. Yeah. Yeah. But also, another one of the things that I just can't see is people. I mean, there's a whole sort of thread through <laughs> the movie that people don't see Chandra Bullock as attractive. And yeah. that, that's just too hard to take. No, I'm sorry. Even as a Gracie Hart original, she's still better looking than me yeah. than when like I'm in full face of makeup. <laughs> and it's just she's she's a Hollywood actress, she's a pretty woman. It doesn't matter how much she, you're gonna have to Charlie Theron her in monster yeah. to make her not look like an yes. airlister. Could not believe that was Charlie Theron when I watched that. Yeah. But apparently she wore a wig because her hair wasn't like she had dry brows as well. No. Oh, Sandra you're talking Bullock. Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Sandra Bullock wore a wig. And she basically just gave herself frizzy hair and didn't put any makeup on. Maybe a bit of BB cream. Mm. I, mean, she, I think she'd be wearing makeup because just for the camera, but... Yeah, but like, not... Yeah, not, not, makeup, not, not makeup, makeup, makeup. But yeah, it's it's an enjoyable movie. It really is. It's got a lot of good things to say. It, it's pleasant when it's on. Mm-hmm. And... It's an easy, it's a nice little date movie, I would say. It's it is genuinely, genuinely funny. It's got some really good one-liners in it. <laughs> it's got a midnight cowboy homage, which is like comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, which is like okay, this film's referencing that film. Fair, it, fair enough. It discusses a little bit of rape. It discusses a little it bit does. of uh, eating disorders. Yeah. Um, it discusses. Quite a lot of important topics, like the LGBTQ sort of views at the time, mm-hmm. which nowadays wouldn't really, hopefully, wouldn't really be a thing. But it was a big thing for um, one of the um, contestants to be yeah. able to proclaim a love on TV. Absolutely. Because um, I think, like, well, 2000 was the kind of start of the cultural shift. shift. And what about his, a, a scene, the wrestling scene... Well, there's two wrestling scenes in the movie. 
There's one where Benjamin Bratt's character is trying to coerce Sandra Bullock into joining this sort of... Slaps her ass. Slaps her don't ass like so that. many times. Yeah, don't like that. And I'm like, I know you're trying to play like she's one of the guys, but... I've never seen you slap the lads' asses that many times in like a space of like two minutes. I know. If you start groping the boys that much... I'm gonna be questioning our marriage. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of it's kind of a weird one, but then I'm you've now got expecting some of the lads who listen to this start groping you at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> but but then you've got the other one where, as her talent, she does self defense, and I find that really really funny. Yes, because it's just sort of it's the reactions from the people in the um, control booth control booth area. It's, it's just it's just gold. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, do you have anything else that you want to? I fully agree with Sandra Bullock. If somebody tried to take my donuts away from me, I would pull a gun on them. <laughs> I don't. I don't find her trigger happy at all. They no. starve her. God, what am I like without food for a couple of hours? No. I'm awful. They like don't let her. They don't let her sleep. I love how you said I'm awful. You're not awful. You're just cranky. <laughs> yeah, that's just because I haven't had the food in a couple of hours. They don't let her sleep, and they barely let her eat for like a week. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember the time that I did the no carbs thing? Yes. <laughs> it was awful, and you weren't even living here yet. <laughs> yeah, you lasted three days. I lasted three days because I was about to murder somebody, <laughs> and my texts to you were just getting increasingly more violent because <laughs> I was so hungry. Uh, then also another scene which I quite like is the the makeover scene because you're playing I with love that, that makeover scene. You're playing with the sort of James Bond esque mm-hmm. sort of cue. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing that. Using POV, and it's. <clears throat> It's just the right amount of jokey and campy that makes it very amusing. Also, very worried. They give her a bikini wax, but they only do one rip. Shouldn't be doing the whole bikini line in just one thing. (laughs) I wouldn't know. A little bit worried about her for that. I was like, that completely understand if you're getting the whole sleuth done at one in one fail swoop. Not good. (laughs) Do you have any fun facts? I do. So, um, pre-makeover, Gracie Hart, it took Sandra Bullock 30 minutes to get into makeup. Pageant Gracie Hart, it was two and a half hours of makeup. But still, I don't think that's a whole lot of makeup. For a movie where she's meant to be playing a really glamorous... Mm -hmm. Like, if I get my makeup professionally done, you're talking about 45 minutes to an hour. And that's just for a night on the town. She's appearing in a huge film, and she's not having. She's only having like ninety minutes extra. That's true. I hope says two and a half hours is still pretty long. Is it? When, when you go think like even like the guys at the Hobbit, like had to go in like maybe like ninety minutes, and they were like had to get ears yeah, and big glued on. Just, just stick stuff that's to true. the faces. This was like she hadn't. She didn't have anything stuck to her face. It all had to look natural. Um. Whenever Michael came and messed up his lines, Sandra Bullock would shout, take his Oscar away, <laughs> which I really like. Um, when they were in Starbucks, the Starbucks employees were actual people who worked there. Right. And our favourite line, the April 25th yes. answer by Cheryl, it's not too hot, it's not too cold, you just need a light jacket, was a real answer given by somebody at a beauty pageant, and that's why they put it in. 
So whoever that person was, they must feel very stupid, but they've also been immortalised in a film. That is very true. And I love that. I think it's great. Every April 25th, I can, like, reshare the little <laughs> meme. Like, it's the perfect day. <laughs> so, should we move on? Yes, we'll move on to yours. So we will come back, we'll have a little break, and we will come back with Infernal Affairs. You like the 1980s, don't you? Of course you do. We all do. But have you ever wondered why that decade was the way it was? Have you ever wished there was somewhere you could go to get past the usual day-glow sentimentality? To try and understand 1980s pop culture in a more social, political and historical context? Because if so, it sounds to me like you're ready to go beyond the aesthetics, beyond the nostalgia. Welcome to Beyond the Neon. Beyond the Neon is the podcast that dares to pull over the Testarossa, eject the Wham cassette, and take off the Wayfarers. If you're looking for retro reviews of Back to the Future, The Goonies, or John Hughes movies, you will not find find that here. If you're looking for top 10 lists of A-Team episodes, Nintendo games, or Stranger Things references, you will will not not find find that that here. If you're looking for long, boring introductions, Squarespace ads, or Patreon begging, you you will will not not find find that that here. here. Because Beyond the Neon, we do things a little differently. In each documentary-style episode, I look at one area of 1980s popular culture and break it right down. And each episode features academic insight, guest contributions and interviews, as well as clips plumbed from the depths of the 1980s cultural void. Well, YouTube, mainly YouTube. To help illustrate the wonderful, perplexing, terrifying, joyous and utterly thrilling world of 1980s pop culture. Beyond the Neon might not be as regular as other 1980s podcasts, but that's because Beyond the Neon isn't like other 1980s podcasts. Subscribe to the show today and check out all past episodes by visiting beyondtheneon.co.uk Ten years ago two friends became the best cadets on the force one went undercover to infiltrate the mob the other is a highly respected officer but his true loyalty belongs to the crime lord now they're both out to uncover the traitor among them. They know he's dangerous. They know he's deadly. What they don't know is that they're hunting for each other. So yeah, that was a clip from Infernal Affairs, a 2002 Hong Kong movie from Andrew Lau and Alan Mack. Mm-hmm. Now, it might get a little bit confusing because... One of the directors. There's there's two Andrew Lau's. So Andy Lau is one of the main characters who's played a guy called Inspector Lau. And then one of the directors is called Andrew Lau. Should we just call him Inspector Lau and Andrew? Okay, the director's Andrew. Okay. Yeah, and then it's Inspector Lau. We will accept that the other guy is also called Andrew Lau. Yes. But for this, we won't use his real name. Okay. And you've also got um, Tony Leung, who's playing Yan. Mm-hmm. Now, Infernal Affairs is one of those films where it's a little bit more famous for what it inspired than what it is, which is a bit of a shame because Infernal Affairs is the movie that Martin Scorsese took and made The Departed mm-hmm. and won an Oscar for The Departed, which is still one of the crimes the debate is a great movie but Martin Scott says he should have won at least two of those Oscars before he won that but so what you have it's a premise which is 
it's sort of like a sell it in the room premise. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a whole we just spoke about speed there. There's a there's sort of like a a folk tale about speed that the screenwriter walked into a room and said, "There's a bomb on a bus. If it goes underneath fifty miles an hour, it explodes," and they just bought the idea there there and then. And this one is sort of like that where you've got okay, you've got two moles, mm-hmm. one's in one gang and one's in the police. And it's that for me. Just that sentence is it's like a, a great, great logline. It come, it gets my interest, and I want to see that play out. Yeah. So yeah, you've got Tony Leong, who is a police officer, and he is a informant who is in Sam's gang. Who is Sam is the One the, of the triads, isn't he? The triads, yeah. yeah. So he's the sort of the big bad. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Inspector Lau, who grew up under sort of Sam's tutelage, and is. A rising star within the Hong Kong police, mm-hmm. and then you've got the drama that that ensues. Yeah, you've got the police chasing Sam, always being one step ahead, and then them both realizing that they've both got a mole. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I love, I love this movie. It's one of those things where we we generally the reason one of these why these podcasts exist and why we don't really give anything bad reviews is because we talk about films always that we love. We want to, I want to make sure that you can. I'm not going to choose a bad movie for you. You're going to choose something that's going to make me cry, like out of fear. Yes. Thank you. So, I, I mean, I do. I really do like this movie. It's nice and it's tight and it's short and it keeps its pace up. Mm-hmm. Two great central performances from um, Andy Lau and Tony Leung. Um, and I, I do prefer this to The Departed. I mean, this is 140 minutes. Departed, Departed is... Um, Two hour and a, two and a half hours. Okay, yeah, I already prefer this one. But The Departed is a very good movie. So what did you think about Infernal Affairs? Okay, well, I wrote eight lines. <laughs> and I wrote eight lines because I was really into it. Cool. Really liked the film. Thought it was really good. A little bit confused at certain parts. Um, like the whole Sam's Gang thing. Because weren't both of them in Sam's Gang at the start? And if they were, should they not know each other? Like... It seemed to like hover over like I think, two guys. Yeah, I think they were whilst they were both in cadets. Yeah, but then shouldn't they like recognize each other? Maybe. Oh, oh, they they get older, so. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? Like, I was a little bit like, oh, okay, she yeah. didn't know each other. That little bit confused me, but that was right at the start, so I'm not really giving any spoilers away. No. Um, and then you see them grow up and go separate places and everything. Um. I really liked it. It's. I did really like it. There was like a little, like little clever bits of like Morse code and everything. And that's it. I, which think, I thought yeah. was good. Um, there was really sad bits. There was action. There was like a little bit of a love interest and a little bit of a hint towards yeah, the daughter. Yeah, yeah. But it's not enough to really detract from the main story. It's just to show this guy actually did have a life before he was kind of in there yeah yeah I think we can get into that a little bit later because I've, I've got some sort of notes and I think it's interesting where the, where that scene comes in the movie mm-hmm. but first thing I want to bring up is the title sequence because it feels so strange compared to the rest of the movie yes it's, the score and the way it's shot and the way it sort of has the, the effects it feels like a 90s Batman movie yes it, and when the when the names are appearing on the screen it seems like Tilt towards you, yeah. you make me feel a bit sick. That's it. Yeah, it's one of those. It, it, it 
feels completely out of sync with the movie. But it looks low budget. It does. And the rest of the film looks really good. Well, and yeah. then they have this at the start, and I was literally like, oh my god, I'm going to be watching something filmed on someone's JVC. And that's, I, mean, don't, don't, it was, I think it was like a seven million budget, or well, seven million, I don't know if it, that was, that's Hong Kong dollars or whatever. But yeah, and it... I think that's sort of like a bleed through from the nineties. That Very that much. Was probably like oh, it was cool in the nineties. We'll do that, but um, yeah, I just found that really quite interesting. But what also interests me is that it gets right into the plot, mm-hmm. and the so opening, funny, you know. yeah, and the opening sequence is sort of like a montage that sets everything up for you. It sets mm-hmm. up who these two people are, where they're coming from. That one of them is now undercover. That one ha- is sort of a rising star. Where they are, <laughs> how they've got there, and bang, you're in the story. Yeah, it's not spending a lot of time just filling time for filling time's sake, mm-hmm. and and that is a real strength of the movie. And it does. It feels at times like hyper stylized as well, and that's sort of bringing in the the nineties Hong Kong action yeah. isms of it, like the John Woo. Um, who did like hard boiled, and mm-hmm. he would go on to make Mission Impossible Two or three. But back in the late eighties, early nineties, John Woo was the the Hong Kong action filmmaker. And it's just like when you get cuts between scenes where yeah. it, it feels sort of grainy and things like that. And then when you it has a lot of shots on rooftops, and the camera's always moving, always trying to find an interesting shot. It's always trying to tell its story visually and not mm-hmm. just worry about you understanding what it's what it's saying because there is a lot to understand. You can't. You, I think if you go off for five minutes and come back, you might lose a thread of the story. Yeah, I so, think so, yeah. And it's always asking for your attention. And Tony Leung, who plays Yan in the movie, he is, I mean, he's one of my favourite actors. Just, I just find him effortlessly cool. He was, I loved him in this film. It, I thought it was really good. And he's got one of those faces. I mean, he looks very young here. And this is probably the first time I actually ever saw him. Mm-hmm. Um but he's in quite a lot um, of Wong Kar Wai movies. Um, and he's even breaking into Hollywood now. Um, he's in the, a new Marvel movie in Phase 4, I think. Is Phase 4 coming up? Like, whatever. Yeah, Phase 4 is coming up. So he's in there. So I'm, like on the TV ones? Or no, one of the movies. Um, I think it's Sang-Chi he's, he's in. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but I love Tony Leung. He is just brilliant. And he plays this sort of edgy as well because at the start you're sort of thinking has he gone a little bit too far because you, mm-hmm. you, you see him taking drugs and you see him being a bit disconnected towards um superintendent wong mm-hmm. it's like well, where is he sort of gonna go is he gonna go bad is he gonna go good um and can he actually come out of this undercover and still be a person in society i just i just really liked it i watched it and i couldn't really bothered to write anything so it's like I felt like if I was going to write stuff I was going to miss things mm. that and I tend to write things like because you tend to show me films I've not seen yes so I tend to write things to keep me going of like okay right that's happening this is happening so yeah. I can remember it this I found it was hard because at one point I was like okay so one's good and one's bad but then is this one bad and is this one turn good and then is it switched back around yeah like, I felt like it was more Instead of it being black and white, it was more like the actual human psyche. It was more people are changeable, their actions are changeable, these are the consequences of those actions, mm. which 
I really liked, but I found it hard to kind of write notes and keep well, abreast of what was happening. It's always difficult, um, especially with a film like this, because you've got you've got to give it your attention, yeah. and you've got to, and obviously it being um, from Hong Kong, it's subtitled, mm-hmm. so therefore you've got to always try and keep reading and writing and things like that. But it's, I think, because it throws so much information at you and says, right, you've got to remember this because it's going to come again in, in half an hour. It's for example the scene. My favourite sort of sequence in the movie is the drug deal yeah, um, with the ties. And that maybe 10-minute sequence says so much without saying so little. And the mm-hmm. amount of information that you get, because that's where you realise that they've both got moles. Yeah. It reveals that Jan's using... Morse code. Yeah, which I thought was really clever. Yeah, um, and then you've got the, the the Inspector Lau character trying to get in t- contact with with Sam and things like that, and it, it's just the way they deal with tension and the mm-hmm. way they deal with suspense. It's it's not su- like it's not dealing with surprises. It's just dealing with amping up that energy and amping up that that pace. So the yeah. f- the fact is, when you they finally Wong finally sort of comes and sees Sam, it's sort of like, we all know what everybody's been doing here, but we can't actually do anything about it because we've got no proof. proof. And yeah, it's such a lot of impressive, impressive movie in in that sense. Mm -hmm. Why at the end was the car park so full of water? Was it raining? No, I didn't notice any rain. It was just like literally like an ocean in that car park. Probably there, just so you'd look good on camera. <laughs> I just looked at it going, they've got some serious flooding issues. I don't want to leave my car in there. That is true. I'm sorry, I pick up on really stupid, stupid <laughs> little details. But it did. It looked really good. But then you were just like, you can get wet socks. Just like walking. <laughs> You're going to get wet socks. <laughs> you don't pay to like leave and you walk through like half a lake to get back to your car. <laughs> But I think it's quite interesting also that we we covered Marie Antoinette last week mm-hmm. and I mean, we, we like that movie because it's lackadaisical yep. sort of use of plot mm-hmm. and of person. And this is the complete opposite of that, but it's still as effective. Oh, yeah. It's still, it's still as enjoyable, but it's... And that's the, the two different styles of filmmaking that you, that you can have. I mean, and especially Hong Kong at that time, the... They were the, the the kings and queens of that of that sort of cinema. I'm trying to think what else do I want to say. Yeah, and you mentioned before about the scene where he meets this old flame. Yes. And he sees that she has a daughter, um, and that she's married and things like that. And again, I I found that when you watch it quite jarring because it's sort of like humanity in him. Yeah, but it it shows you what he could have done if he didn't become an undercover cop mm-hmm. and didn't give his life away to the force. And I think the interesting reason why it comes where it does is because directly after that is where Wong, who is the only person who knows that he is an undercover cop, gets killed. Yeah. So it's like, this is what I could have had and now I'm never going to have it again. Mm-hmm. And, and the drama that it because when Wong does fall down and land on that taxi, there's a, there's like a, maybe a ten second slow motion scene of yet 
of Jan and him coming to terms with the the not only that he's dead, but what him being dead means for him. Yeah. And that is, it's quite heartfelt in, 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 in a way. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think that's, I don't really have that much more to say. I just, I think it is a great tight thriller. Yeah, it it's lo- really good. It I would look, definitely recommend people to watch it. It looks great. Hong Kong at night is always nice to look at. Mm-hmm. But also, being on those rooftops and having yeah. the camera fly around, it, it just always it's always going to look interesting. It's always going to look really, really expensive. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, yeah. you could just do it with like a drone from Argos. And yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, but yeah, Infernal Affairs, if you haven't seen it, it to be honest, if you've seen The Departed and you like The Departed, give Infernal Affairs a, a go because it's good to see that film with no fat. Where you, There isn't that huge amount of character development, but that's because he doesn't need it. It's because... No, it's literally set like over a few days. Yeah. And like it's, a week or something. And it's just, it's just plot after plot after plot and you've got to keep your attention to watch it and... It's a brilliant movie. And there's, there's two more. Actually, there's Infernal Affairs 2 and Infernal Affairs 3. But oh, Infernal really? Affairs 2 is a prequel, which is actually pretty good. Infernal Affairs 3 is pants. Oh, okay. Yeah. I kind of like it just, just as it is. Mm. I like it just as it is. Cool. Do you have anything else to add? Um, no. I just really liked it. Um, it wouldn't be the kind of film I would normally pick. Um, when you suggested doing this, I couldn't remember an undercover, undercover cop film until you went... Miss Congeniality is undercover copper. I was like, oh yeah, I love that film. <laughs> so it's not really a genre that I would automatically pick films mm-hmm. out of. But um, I would definitely watch this one again. Good, good. So yeah. And I think that, well, probably is another... Another one down? Another one down. Another one down. Um, I don't think we know what we're covering next week because we're really, really unorganised. We are, and I'm going to blame me. It's normally me who... Tries to be organised. Um, but if anybody's got like, I was going to be able to do a bit of a throwback here. If anybody's got like a Bernard's watch where I could just like stop time. Yes. I can just get on my work now. See, that is, a, I remember the whole Bernard watch. Bernard's Mor- watch. Bernard's it's watch. Amazing. Moral quandary at school. It's like, what would you do if you had Bernard's watch? Steal all the sweets in the top shops. See, being young boys, we were very much not. Stealing sweets. You're going to steal something else in the top shops. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> We're going to steal sweets. Um, nowadays, it will be literally just a case of, I need to set up the showroom tomorrow. <laughs> and I need to set it up in three hours. And I also have to go to the train station and drop people off. And then get some more paper. And then print loads of stuff. I need about two of me. I need like a full day to be able to do what I need to do just <laughs> tomorrow morning. So I would like the watch and I can just use it just for tomorrow. Yes. Get all my crap done. I love how we're saying this, Bernard's watch. Any American listeners is going to be like, what the hell are they talking YouTube about? YouTube Bernard's watch. It's the most wholesome English. I wonder what he's doing now. I bet, I bet he's like a cokehead or something. Probably. But like kids TV show, there's either that or the Queen's Head with the 50p. Yes. Or the Demon Headmaster. Or Woof. Woof? When he turns into a dog. You've never seen Woof. Oh no, I have. I just didn't like it. Was it just turned into like a Jack Russell? Oh, I don't know breeds of dogs. 
Little yappy thing. No, he was sort of like a, a border collie. Oh, okay. They're still too hyperactive for me. <laughs> Way too hyper. But anyways. Yes. Oh, a, little, a little bit off topic. <laughs> a little bit off topic. For people who aren't in the UK, go YouTube all of these things. Yes. Go Google them. Let us know of any random kids TV shows <laughs> that we should start watching. Because yeah. at the end of this week, I'm probably going to have to have a weekend of just being brain dead. Yes. But I won't get that because I'm working. <laughs> um, but if you want to follow us on social media. Yes. Then we are on... Um, Instagram under his film, her movie podcast. Yes. We're on Twitter on at his film, her movie. And you can email us at hfhmpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, and if you search for his film, her movie podcast on Facebook, we've also got a little Facebook group of people. Um, so we try to get all that out. And as this is coming out on Friday... We hope that you may listen to us as you go storm Area 51. Yes. So, to be honest, I'm disappointed that that's sort of lost its... Its momentum. That's the word. Because you need plenty of momentum to outrun those bullets. You do. You need to be able to dance through rain. Dance through Because they're going to shoot some... Fo- he won't go ahead, but if he did, yeah, they're going to shoot some folk. Also, if anybody knows of like a live stream that I can watch it on, please send it to the podcast. Uh <laughs> Email and um, I can say it is marketing research (laughs) and get away with watching it at work. So please let me know because I'm very interested. I kind of hope people do turn up, even if it's just to have a party outside. Yeah. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Go party outside area 51. I'm sure they'll be totally cool with it and take some pictures and tag me in it. (laughs) So I think that is another episode under the bag. Episode 16. And next week we'll be back again with our normal format. And yeah, just chill out. Have a nice weekend. Have a beer. Have a wine. Watch some movies. It makes the world go round. But no. um, Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. It fizzled out, this episode. (laughs) Absolute fizzled. It was like Fanta that's gone flat. It was. (laughs) And what a way to end. Bye-bye. Bye.